0: The following program is sponsored by Cleveland Right to Life and is responsible for its content. Healthcare that works better and costs less. Seems like an oxymoron, right? Take a minute and check out our sponsor, Solidarity HealthShare. Members say that faith-based health sharing is a much better fit than insurance, all while costing less. Prices start at $384 a month for families. Call now to see how much you can save. 844-417-0636. That's 844-417-0636. Paying too much for healthcare and supporting services you don't believe in? Our sponsor Solidarity Health Share has prices that are 60% less than the nation's average cost of healthcare. Join the nation's leading healthcare sharing ministry, built by people of faith for people of faith, saving money through ethical and affordable healthcare. Call now to see how much you can save. That's 866-977-5821. Welcome to From the Medium, a daily report from the front line of the pro-life movement, discussing two worldviews that are driving our culture in opposite directions. From the Medium asks, which side of the road are you on? What direction do you want our culture to go? Tune in as we plan the route that takes us back to the culture of life, and now, your host, Molly Smith.
1: Good evening and welcome to From the Median, where we are concerned with the middle ground, not just to understand both sides of an argument, but also to awaken the consciences of those who are neutral or indifferent to this, the greatest civil rights movement of all times, the pro life movement. Listeners, as always, thank you so much for joining us. Um, I hope that you will download this interview on your podcast app, as well as pass it on to anybody and everybody that you know. We are thrilled with the success of our podcasting. But right now, we're going to get involved in. we're going to get right down to nitty gritty. And we're going to introduce you to a brand new guest, Susan Ciancio. She's written a a wonderful article. Uh, It's actually quite sad, but by the same token, it's very, very well sourced and just amazing. Uh, Susan is a freelance editor and writer who currently serves as the executive editor for the Culture of Life Studies program and American Life League's Celebrate Life magazine. In addition to editing fiction books, she also writes for Human Life International and Secular Outfits. So it's great to have you with me, Susan. Thank you so much for joining us. It's great to talk with you. Oh, thank you for having me. Susan, we are seeing all kinds of Really just, dist- I mean, you know, when I started back in the, in the pro-life movement in America, I was very involved in Canada before I came here. But when I started in America. We were dealing with one aspect pretty well. And I guess it, it was the, the foundational brick upon which all these other things have built itself. But we were dealing with abortion, with the rights to abortion for, you know, for all women had the right to abortion. We are now dealing with a multitude of things that have occurred as a result of, I think, the breakdown of the family, you know, the devaluing of life, the search for constant happiness as far as this is the way I look at it. I mean, a, abortion is a, it is sort of a a search for happiness type of thing. If you're going to have a, I'm not going to be happy if I have this child. So you've got all of that stuff that's sort of out there swirling around. And now you've just written an article that says, what percentage of transgenders regret surgery? Now we are dealing with the transgender issue. Who would have thought it?
2: Oh my goodness. I know. It's, it's very sad. And, and, with organizations and even, you know, state governments that are targeting children and telling them that they can switch their gender back and forth or, um, you know, at whim. It, it's, it's very scary to think that young children are hearing this message. And you're right. It comes down to happiness because, yeah. um, you know, they're telling, little kids that if they feel that they might be a girl or if they feel that they might be a boy, then they can go ahead and and do these puberty blockers or have these terrible surgeries that will maim their bodies. And we're getting a lot of people who are coming back and saying, no, this isn't right. But it's because they were told to follow their feelings rather than to love themselves for who they are and and to see their inherent dignity as a human being.
1: mm mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's it's interesting because I can remember I grew up in a farm in Africa and um my uh, we, um, my my family consisted of three girls and a boy. Well, my brother got to do all kinds of things that, that we <laughs> sisters were not allowed to do, <laughs> and I can honestly remember thinking at times, oh, I just wished I was born like John. I wish I was a boy, you know, because then I could do the sisters. <laughs> yeah.
2: Well, but, and I was what people would call a tomboy. Yeah. Um, You know, I loved sports. I still love sports. I had mostly boyfriends in the neighborhood. I mean, friends who were boys. Um, And we would go out and we'd play football and we'd play soccer and we'd ride bikes and we'd do all that kind of stuff. And, you know, nobody ever once said, well, gee, you like doing this stuff. So you must be a boy. So maybe you should be a boy. Of course not. That was just the things that I liked. But today, You know, if, if you're a boy who happens to like dance or musicals or singing or something like that, or a girl who likes to be, you know, to do boy sports, maybe, Mm -hmm. you know, or something along those lines, kids are, these likes and, and dislikes are twisted to make that, make it seem like they should be the opposite sex. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. Interesting.
1: You would say that because my, my very best friend growing up, she married, um, one of the top ballet dancers um in in the in the city we lived in mm-hmm. you could not have found a more masculine person but <laughs> in today's world i'm sure there would have been that, those questions constantly are you sure you're in the right place do you, you sure you don't want to be a girl <laughs> so you, you look at all of that kind of stuff and you see what's happened in the fat you know i so i also know that sort of back in 2013 our organization cleveland right to life to took on what we what had always been a sort of assumed it was an unspoken uh, fact of of the pro life movement was that we were first, and you know the building block upon which you build is the family. Um, but we we sort of pushed it away, and we were just talking about the pregnancies. So we went back and said, no, the family is the found foundational building block, and we do not accept homosexual marriage. Well, my goodness gracious me, the whole just about the whole of the American pro life movement came down like like a ton of bricks on us, um, oh, wow. because it, at that at that time this was something. That it was, it was out there and people didn't want to talk about it. But I honestly feel that, you know, this is sort of where we've come from. We, you know, we said, well, just let's, let's say, you know, let's, let love be love type of thing. And we'll just accept that. And then we did, we accepted that was just, you know, a social marriage that you had to, now you have to have marriage in the churches. Then you had to have, now you're into transgenderism. Which brings me to the article that you wrote, Susan. And it's, it's, you know, real life stories. So Susan tell me a little bit about the 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 real life stories that you have come across in which which actually drove you to write this article.
2: Well, you know there there's a lot of stories about children who have gone through these gender transitioning surgeries and the stories are just so tragic because not only have these children been, you know, I would say manipulated into Believing that they could find happiness if they were to maim their bodies. Um, but, you know, the adults around them have allowed this to happen. And, uh, you know, gender dysphoria is, is a real thing. Um, and, and it's tragic when a child feels that way, but they should be taught to love their bodies for who they are, not taught to change those bodies. And, there is a an incredibly high percentage of kids who have a dislike for their body let's mm-hmm, say uh, mm-hmm. adolescents who grow out of it naturally if nothing is done to you know give them puberty blockers or hormones or any of those kinds of things but You know, as I said in the in the article, you know, there's a young girl named Chloe who when she was twelve years old, she believed she was transgender. At thirteen she told her parents. So that same year she was put on puberty blockers and prescribed testosterone. At fifteen she had a double mastectomy. Oh my goodness. And then less than a year later she realized she'd made a mistake. I mean, she's just 16 years old. She can't even drive, but she's having these this life-altering surgery. It's it's just truly tragic. You know, and, and you have to say, who are the
1: medical people, the medical so-called professionals who are doing this to our young people?
2: Who are they? Exactly. You know, I listened to um, a podcast by Jason Evert, I believe, and he was talking about... This topic specifically, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and was saying that he he knew a um anesthesiologist who said to every doctor he knew, "Don't ever ask me to do one of these surgeries because I just won't do it yeah. so we know that there are some strong, faithful um doctors, Professionals. Out. yeah, exactly yes. gosh um, you know, and unbelievable, just unbelievable. Yeah, uh, apparently there's even a, a Reddit subreddit where they have people who have detransitioned and they talk about their stories and it's growing in in numbers. And mm-hmm. if you read through this page, and I did a little bit, um, the stories were just horrific. Mm-hmm. And it was a, a lot of young people, you know, in their teens who had had this surgery and who regretted it.
1: Yeah. You know, and it's funny, I, I, and I'm trying to think of, of, of his name. He's so very, very well known. He's, um, um, he's been a speaker at our, at our uh, convention, Bringing America Back to Life convention. Um, and he, he's out from, from California. He went through the whole thing, you know, thought he was a, a woman and, you know, went through some of the transitioning thing, not quite as, I think, as serious as it is now. This was many years back. He's well, well into his seventies now. Um, and you're going to know the name as soon as I say it, but I can't think of it right now. But-
2: yeah think of it either Um.
1: yeah but anyway you know this is this is one of the things that that he talks about it's instead of dealing with the 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 mental problem that you're having or the whatever it may be, uh, maybe there isn't, maybe there is a hormone imbalance or something, but instead of dealing with it at the fundamental level, you, you know, you're, you, they're getting pushed into this and they're getting pushed into having these transitions. It is so devastating for the person involved who's been going through this. I, I just, I, you know, the, the, as I said, the medical staff, the medical professions, professionals that are doing this, there is you know, obviously they're hooked on, on, all kinds of drugs for the rest of their lives that uh, must cost every time that this the, one of these surgeries is done has to be a fortune from from yes. the perspective of of the medical profession. Goodness gracious me, you give you me know, they 've got to take deep you know hormone problems and then there's all the, all the the side surgeries that have to happen, and all of this. Oh my goodness, you also talk about a woman about, about Eva. Tell us about her who is a I yes. guess she's a male.
2: Uh, Eva, let's see. Yeah, She's, she, yeah, she was a woman who lived as a transgender male as a teenager. Um, she she did not medically transition, though. She just lived, so she didn't have the surgeries. But she was one of the people who states that she felt misled by family members, by doctors. Um, and she has decided to to go back and live as the woman she was born as but you know there's there's another example of someone who's maybe parents you know you can't say what parents are thinking um of course but they didn't get her the proper help. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, yeah. and I know
1: that I know that when I I mentioned to you before we came on the air that that we had had Chloe Cole here in Ohio very recently talking about her experience, and she's suing. I mean, she's suing the medical profession. She's doing you know. She's really trying to stop this by using mm-hmm. the system available to her. Um, but but her story is that her parents were told, if you don't do this to Chloe, you know, she's going to commit suicide. The parents were terrified. Yeah, you know,
2: so a lot of this is fear. Yeah. And I mean, you know, I think I hope that the majority of parents want to do what's best for their children. But, you know, then you have all of these organizations screaming that you have to do what your children want, or else we'll take them away, or else your child will commit suicide, and then you will be at fault. Mm. So parents feel trapped. What do I do? They need to have the right resources so they can help those children so that they don't, have these awful surgeries or or be on these puberty blockers and hormones for the rest of their lives and regret it mm-hmm. absolutely
1: and i guess this eva the this who i'm i'm trying to think of who she is yeah eva is she it is eva because she she tra- she was a transitional male um mm-hmm. but she started an an organization called detrans canada this seems to be there seems to be more and more and more of these organizations popping up am i correct
2: yes there are um and this site yes detrans canada um yeah. it it says its objectives are to help people um with their social support needs and to you know get through the detransition process and to not make them feel bad because there are then groups that make them feel like they've done something wrong to mm-hmm. go back. Mm-hmm.
1: I was recently yeah. talking to somebody, an author too, of, of, a, of a, a book that has just been written about this. And, and we got talking about, you know, how all of this stuff happens and, 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 she brought up the fact that, you know, this is like saying to someone who's got um, anorexia, you know, let me help you be a, a, an even better anorexic. You know, okay. this is the, I mean, we would never do that. Um, but, yeah. uh, but what they're discovering too, um, was that a lot of the anorexias, uh, people with anorexia are, are sort of morphing into using some of this transgender stuff to try and help them cope with what they're dealing with so this is not fixing anything it is it is it is a devastation and to think that so many of our schools are actually pushing this stuff I was just reading this morning about a school a, a school system that is quietly and silently um, going into you know doing you know when the when the when the students go to the social worker or the social the, to the nurse or something and they get asked questions and how you're doing and they do these things these assessments at the school they're actually asking them not in writing but they're asking them um in person so do you st- are you okay with being a boy do we, do, would you think that you should be a girl so they're asking these questions mm-hmm. and popping this into these people mm-hmm. into these it's this is criminal absolutely is. criminal
2: yeah and they're giving young children you know the, they're planting these ideas that young children shouldn't be okay with their bodies and yes. the question that they have, and and we all know that young children and adolescents, you know, young children like to pretend they're somebody they're not. You know, one day they're a dinosaur, the next day they're you know a superhero. Um, and and for children who might be slightly confused, when you start planting these seeds, they're going to grow. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You have to remember that mm-hmm. with truth, with reality with messages that they need to love their bodies, that they have dignity as the person they were born with, and that if they have concerns about who they are, they need to address those concerns rather than changing their outward appearance. Because we know that you can't totally change your sex. Um, your, Your DNA is in every part of you so, if you change, you know, your outward genitalia or have a mastectomy, you know, um, you're still going to be a, a girl. You're exactly. still going to be a female. You're just going to look like a boy. And you could live like a boy and, you know, dress like one. And and for all appearances, outwardly, um, people could see that. But that that doesn't really change who you are. Exactly. Exactly.
1: It's just, I, I, I am flabbergasted. The more I re, you know, the the more we watch around us and see what's happening, it's, 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 it's devastating to humanity to see this going on. But I do think that there is, there is some little bit of hope and maybe, maybe there is, maybe there isn't, but, but from all accounts, a lot of the the detransitioners, are beginning to speak up and according to to your article that you wrote and again folks it's what percentage of transgenders regret surgery and it's a human life international article that was written um very recently on in, in July um you go there and read it if you if you you need we all need to be involved and uh, involved in this discussion as well as informed about what's going on because it's only going to be through that that we will actually be able to intelligently push back and fight back against this this agenda. It is totally an agenda that's going on out there. But you did talk about you talk about um the fact that many of the transitioners that that are that are actually detransitioning are beginning to speak out um you know about this Susan and and, and saying that they are um they're they are coming across a lot of of people that are uh are transitioners who are detransitioning, transitioning who are getting off the hormone treatments but nobody seems to be um following up on that so there's a whole bunch of there's a, you know there's a, a we need to find out exactly what's going on with this, because I think we we'll, we will be surprised when we see the statistics of how many of these transitioners are actually trans detransitioning. And from mm-hmm. what from your article that says that there is a there has been a a a, um, a transgender survey um, back in twenty twenty two. What's the What's the status with that?
2: Um. Well. The results of that one have not been published yet. Um, so there was one. So the one in 2015 is, the one I pulled some statistics from, um, that one claimed that, uh, about 11% of female respondents reverted back to their original sex, transgender, at a 4%. That doesn't maybe seem like a lot, but, um, You know, when you think about the amount of people who have transitioned and maybe the time hadn't come yet where they transitioned back. Uh, I don't remember the exact longevity dates of that survey. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, it would be really interesting to find out, you know, when they have when they publish the results of the 2022 survey. You know, you have to wonder there
1: because I've seen so many of these and we've just gone through the whole COVID situation where so many um, of, of the of the data that came out, the data that was 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 discovered uh, was just buried if it didn't fit the narrative. So we have to watch for that, folks, and we need to be ready for that. And I'm hoping, Susan, that you're, you'll be following that because when we do get that information out, we do need to go there and, and you know, we need to be able to make it uh, public to everybody as much as we can, go through the alternate medias and the alternate ways of of getting the word out there because you know I think you know you mentioned a couple of times parents in parents involvement in all of this you know you have to wonder if if you're not if you're not following this and if you if you're busy with you know you know mom and dad both working more than you know a couple of a couple of kids at home everything's going crazy you're trying to do all of this and then you know not realizing exactly what's going on in in the school in the classroom um or in in the school environment somebody your child coming to you it, it can be overwhelming and maybe they think they are doing the best thing but we have to get the information to those parents to be able to say
2: put the brakes on stop <laughs> exactly and we have to help parents take that power back because parents are the first educators of their children children are ours. They are not the school systems. They don't belong to the school system. Uh. You know, when kids go to school, the parents should have every right to see everything on the curriculum that they're learning, on any syllabi that they have. Um, You know, for instance, my my kids were in public high school, and as part of their like health and wellness class, um, they did some sex ed. And we live in Tennessee, so it's more of a conservative state. Um, but I went. In, they had a in a night during open house where they they said, you know, parents can come in and look at, you know, the the table of contents, and you can look at some of the materials that we're going to be giving. And I went in because I thought I need to see, I need to see, you know, what they're going to be teaching and, you know, what's going on in this class. And it was, it was fine. Um, I didn't have a problem with it because it didn't have this underlying uh agenda. Mm-hmm, it, mm-hmm. And it is an agenda.
1: It definitely is it, an agenda.
2: It is. It yeah, didn't talk yeah. about, you know, gender transition or anything like that. It was basically... um biology. Here's what happens. And then it kind of moved on to treating people well and, and you know, and that kind of thing. And it wasn't really um it didn't really have a lot to do with a typical sex ed is is what you'd think about. Yeah. So parents really need to be involved. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Involved in their school board, uh, if they have concerns about what might be taught in the classroom. Um, talk to teachers. Take the time to talk to the kids, you know, get them off their phones for a little bit. Ask them what they're learning in school. Absolutely. Absolutely. The teachers are talking about, because even if it's not on a syllabus or not on, you know, a written agenda for a classroom, uh, teachers can still talk about these kinds of things in the classroom and really mold our children to something that's distorted exactly Susan you are also and I'm
1: going to get you back I think because I noticed as well that you are a, a fairly involved in the homeschooling um, a, a curriculum a, in the homeschooling world um, the Catholic homeschooling so I i have I have, uh, I have my, some of my my grandchildren several of my grandchildren are in Catholic homeschooling so it's it's. I want to have oh, you me. back and, and talk <laughs> talk about those as well so that would, be, that would be absolutely wonderful you know honestly thank you thank you thank you for for your deliverance and for your dedication to our families. And that's that's the only way I can say it. thank you for dedica- your dedications to our families.
2: Yeah, I, I truly believe that, you know, families, like you said, are the foundation of society and we have to protect them. We have to protect our children. Yeah. My, my children are the most important things in the world to me. And, you know, I, I just... I feel terrible for some of these parents going through these things and for the children who are being misled and who, you know, just need to learn to love themselves and get through things and and to have the support of parents. That's
1: exactly right we need to empower our parents and we have I think during, I think COVID was a blessing in lots of ways because it certainly opened the eyes of many, many, many parents and as I think parents are taking back their children which is a wonderful thing. As I said, Susan we're going to get you back because I, I want to talk more with you about all of this so thank you so much for doing this. Oh, thank you so much God bless you lots, bye bye Don't go anywhere, I will be back with you right after this very short break with another world class inspiring guest
0: Paying too much for healthcare and supporting services you don't believe in? Our sponsor, Solidarity HealthShare, has prices that are 60% less than the nation's average cost of health care. Join the nation's leading healthcare sharing ministry, built by people of faith for people of faith, saving money through ethical and affordable health care. Call now to see how much you can save. 866-977-5821. That's 866-977-5821. Healthcare care that works better and costs less. Seems like an oxymoron, right? Take a minute and check out our sponsor, Solidarity HealthShare. Members say that faith-based health sharing is a much better fit than insurance, all while costing less. Prices start at $384 a month for families. Call now to see how much you can save. 844-417-0636. That's 844-417-0636.